I'm so excited you're here. We're in the series called The Why Behind the What. We are looking at not only what Jesus said in Matthews 5, 6, and 7, but why did he say it? Uh, and at the end of chapter 4, uh, those of you who have been here, you might remember that Jesus is going around from town to town proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Well, what is the good news of the kingdom of God? What's great is that Matthew tells us what this good news is by expounding on what Jesus said in chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so it's been very challenging, you know, uh, very hard, very difficult, you know, as we kind of look at what it means to be a part of his kingdom. But as we get going, here's what I want to do. Think about a person right now in the world that just bugs you, that just is annoying you. Eyes up here. Do not look at the person sitting next to you, okay? I want to make sure. Just stay up here. I want to make sure that's all right. But somebody who's really been a pain, someone who's been hurtful, maybe has caused wounds or even great pain in the past or present, okay? Think about that person. Got it? Nod your head if you got it, okay, because this is how it's going to apply, most importantly, today. Let me start with this. Have you ever stood out in a crowd, whether you wanted to or not? Ever stood out in a crowd? Yeah, I think we got two pictures, you know, of uh, what example of what may that look like. One is uh, Yao Ming, you know, a uh, large uh, <laughs> uh, Chinese player, you know, where he just towers everywhere. He, goes. he can't help but stand out in a crowd. The other, you know, is this example of, you know, everybody looking the same, and then somebody stands out just a little bit different. Most of the time when I ask that question, have you ever stood out? It's not usually a positive feeling or response in your heart and mind. Usually it's an embarrassing moment, a time where you actually just kind of made yourself stand out, you know, in a way, or somebody else made fun of you in light because you were standing out or whatever it may be. But here's the point. To be part of God's kingdom means to live and respond differently than the world, that there's got to be something different. To stand out means to be, as Tyler talked about a few weeks ago, salt and light. So my question today is, if people were to look at your life, okay, I want you to analyze yourself, your life outside these walls, could they tell that you are part of God's kingdom? Not that you went to church, and if so, how could they tell? How could they tell that this, this world is not your home? How could they tell that you are a follower and a scribe by a different set of values or purpose or significance beyond what our culture says? How could they tell? Are you able to actually readily answer that? See, today's conversation, just like last week, is going to be hard to swallow, hard to accept, but we need to understand it. See, last week, we had the joys of talking about divorce and adultery and what was the third one? Murder. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Everybody walked away all pumped up. When we realized it's the heart behind it is what Jesus was getting at. And he keeps saying this phrase, you've heard it said, so the religious leaders of the day are trying to teach people what God's word has to say in the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, now, I know you've heard this, but let me give you the why behind the what, and let me explain that there's a new covenant, a new connection to God's kingdom. So he goes, I don't want to talk primarily about murder and adultery and divorce. He goes, I want to talk about anger. I want to talk about lust, you know, uh, and I want to talk about unfaithfulness. And so these are heart issues is what he's going at. And today is no exception. There's three more heart issues that he's going to kind of hit us with. And I can tell you it's not a pleasant conversation, but it's a critical one if we're going to be part of God's kingdom. And believe it or not, this is actually good news, which we'll get to in a moment. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, if you have your Bibles, turn to there. 
or some of this will be on the screen as well. Matthew 5.33 says this. Jesus says, you have also heard that our ancestors were told this. You must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. So the reason that Jesus is saying, here's the why behind the what he's saying. It's like, what in the world is going on? In Jesus' day, Jews, they didn't have all these contracts and things that were legally binding. They would swear. They would do that in front of God and in front of other people. And the Jewish leaders would teach, if you swear, make an oath or commitment to do something before God, it's binding. But then they found loopholes. Well, if you say by heaven or by Jerusalem or by my hair, you know, that it's not as binding. There's some wiggle room when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's almost like in today's day and age, I promise. Are you really sure you promise? I, I pinky swear. Uh, in my day growing up, people would say, I, I swear to God. You know, so they said all of a sudden you're like, oh, really? Okay, now this, you really must mean it here. And the reason that this is an issue is because Jesus is dealing with a culture of people who say one thing and do something else. They are promising one thing, but they're not fulfilling their promise, especially to one another. And so Jesus is going to raise the bar, for he just says this in verse 37. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. In other words, if you have to constantly convince people that you are a person of your word, there's usually something wrong in the habit that you may not have been a person of your word. So let's get real for a second. How many of you have ever dealt with a business, employees, where they didn't keep their word? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Didn't keep their word. Okay. We've all gone through that. Oh, they promised this but they didn't come through with their word. They're just trying to get you to do something, to buy something, take advantage of you. Doesn't it just tick you off when people do that? I was with a realtor friend of mine who's been in the business for years. I'm talking about years. And he says, do you know what's fascinating in the business today is that everybody's looking for the loophole. He goes, in fact, when I first got into the realtor you know, industry, it used to be a couple sheets of paper that you would sign and then the deal was, was ratified. It was done. It was complete before the banks, before you know, the builder, and before the owner. Now, it's a book. I mean, you look at the book. If you ever had to buy a house, you're just like, oh my goodness. And nobody knows exactly whatever. Just sign this, initial this, initial this, initial this. And you get hand cramp by the time that you're done. Why? Because everybody was looking for a loophole to get out of something that they had promised to do. And so whether it be the builder, whether it be the bank, or whether it be the buyer. And so they continue to have to come up with more and more and more things. And Jesus says, if you want to be part of my kingdom, if you want to be followers of the kings, don't be swearing by this or this or have all of these kinds of things. Not that those things are wrong, but what he's saying is be a person of your word. Can you be a person of your word? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In fact, be such a person of your word that if any were one were to say that you're not a person of, the word, of your word, that everybody else would be like, okay, now you're being ridiculous because this person has such integrity, we've never seen them not be a person of the word. But let's look at us. When have you not been true to your word? Isn't it funny how, how easily it is for us to identify when somebody else has not been true to us? 
when somebody else has not fulfilled an obligation or promise or commitment, but it usually takes us a little bit more. I guarantee you that more than half of you are having a hard time thinking, when was the last time? But if I had asked you a second ago, hey, when's the last time somebody didn't keep their word with you? You're like, oh, let me just tell you, Dan, about this one person maybe sitting next to me who didn't fulfill their obligation or whatever it may be. But maybe you were a person who didn't keep your word to a business, uh, maybe a neighbor, friend, or family member. Now, it's, it's easy to say, I didn't keep my word because they didn't keep their word. Right? That, that's what we do, the, the whole tit for tat kind of thing. Like, well, I would have kept my word, but obviously my word is null and void because they, and that's what we do. We just, just justify, rationalize, and explain it away. I might be of a little bit of help to some of you. Some of the reasons that some of you have a hard time keeping your word is that you have an inability to say no when offered something. What I mean by that is somebody comes and says, hey, can you help me with this? And your heart says, I'd love to help you with that. So the answer is yes. Well, can you participate in this? Oh, I'd love to help with that. Yes, yes, yes. So you are a yes person until you finally, the day and the moments arrive and you realize, wow, I've triple booked. And now I'm letting these people down. And so you find yourself saying yes so much where if you had thought about it earlier, can you say no and disappoint people in the moment so that you don't disappoint them worse in the end? Some of us are in that kind of mindset that I hope that you understand that the better reputation for you as a follower of Jesus in connection with God and other people is to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, it's easy to keep our word when things are going well. The true test comes when things are not going well, right? Uh, recently, uh, we expanded our deck, and there's a covering, you know, uh, that was put out there, and we're so excited about this. Well, it's halfway during the project where they have to kind of uh, drill into the house itself on the roof in order for them to then put, you know, this extension out. And so they went home that evening thinking they had completely taken care of what needed to be done in case there was any type of moisture. Problem is they didn't anticipate the storm that was going to come that night. And it blew off any, you know, uh, chance of this thing holding, you know, together. And it just poured rain. At three in the morning, our fire alarm goes off. And a fire alarm goes off. I jump out of bed and I go around the corner and my feet are drenched. And I was like, what is going on? Well, come to find out the hole was so big, water was gushing into our walls, into our bedroom, and downstairs through the, the smoke detector, which short-circuited it, and then it started going off. And so I was like, oh my gosh. So I called the contractor, right? What do you think his response was? See, what I know about him is he's a man of God. He didn't justify, rationalize, or explain anything. He says, I've done this for 20 years. This has never happened. And here's what I'll tell you. We will take care of it. I don't even need to see it. We will take care of it better than when you actually moved in. We will do whatever it takes, however much it costs, and however much time it takes out of my pocket to be able to do this. He didn't hesitate for a minute, even though it was going to cost him dearly. And he would be a guy I would recommend to all of you. Because there's a man of his word. And he has kept his word. He didn't just say it. He's actually fulfilled that. See, you can't control what others do or don't do. But if you're a follower of the king, and if we're part of his family... We need to be known as people who keep our word, even if people outside these walls are known for not. You know who they are. You know who you are. You need to make the choice, and so do I. And so what is our response, though, when others break their word to us, or even when they do something worse to us? Well, let's go to that one. Jesus gets even more clear. Matthew 5, 38, you've heard the law that says the punishment 
must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, this is taken from the Old Testament law specifically. Now, you're looking at that, you're like, wow, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That was actually one of God's commandments. Actually, it was revolutionary because most people do more. You know, when you and I are hurt, we don't want to just hurt equally, even though we're always a, a constant uh, uh, society that says, I just want fairness and justice. No, you don't. You want to kind of go over the top. That's at least our first initial reaction. If you've been around kids, you know that's true. You know, in fact, here's what we like to do. You hurt me and you hurt my dog, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take your family, your friends, your business out. My name is John Wick. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, who's John Wick? <laughs> yep, I... I I, I watched it. It's awesome. You know, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm a sinner too. <laughs> but he's nuts, man. It just Don't mess with the man's dog. I'll just tell you that right now. But that's our natural reaction. When someone hurts us, we want to hurt them back. So God's law was actually helpful in keeping things even. Right? He says, okay, if somebody takes your eye, you could take their eye. You can't take their eye, their arm, and their leg. And so he says, this is what the courts, this is how we're going to operate, you know, as a people. Now, in today's age, this sounds very violent. It sounds violent language. Like, uh, there's not often, obviously we see it on the news, but you're not walking up and down the street on a regular basis facing people who are punching you in the eye and kicking you and hurting you physically. Ours, it's much more passive-aggressive. We call it social media. We call it texting. We call it emails. We call it Nextdoor app. <laughs> Just go, I need you to visit the best of Nextdoor app, and there are some awesome things that people all of a sudden have the courage to be able to say things that they would never say if they were in front of another person. Actually, my wife nicknamed them. They're called keyboard warriors, Right? They have this, this like, I am so courageous because I can type like this and tell you what a terrible and awful you know, person you are. But that's not what the people of God are supposed to behave like. We see this model as acceptable even nowadays by our politicians, right, in our world. You call me something, I'm going to go over the top and call you something worse. You hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. That's not what people who are part of God's kingdom behave like. That's not what they do. So Jesus says here, is the response. If you're part of my kingdom that I want you to do, and it's not easy, but it's the best. Verse 38, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, also give your coat. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Ugh. How many of you guys have heard the phrase, go the extra mile? Right? And for the phrase goes, it's a common phrase that we still use today. Like, give your extra effort. And yet, this is actually where it's taken from. Where it's taken from is in Roman occupancy, what they were allowed to do according to Roman rule is that they would say, if they saw somebody that was walking, they were going a distance, they could ask you as, a, as, as someone who's not part of the Roman colony, as someone who's been conquered, to carry their backpacks, their cloaks, or whatever gear they have for a mile, for one mile. And oftentimes they would get to that exact mile and they would just throw it off and they'd run away. They'd be like, I fulfilled my duty. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Why don't, why don't you go the extra mile? That doesn't make any sense. See, understand this. Jesus is not advocating pacifism at all costs. 
In other words, if someone is breaking into your home, abusing you, you have the right to defend yourself and to defend the defenseless. What Jesus is saying here is for us to forfeit what we believe are our rights for vengeance and revenge. That's what he's talking about. And it's going to sound crazy, but instead of taking it into our hands, can we trust God for justice and for vengeance? See, we're not to respond, that's what he's saying, evil with evil proportionate or not. Romans 12, 17 says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So not only are we to trust God for justice, fairness, vengeance, or revenge, we're actually supposed to be proactive he says, in doing what's right. See, this is nuts. I hate this sermon as much as you do, just so you know. I'm, I, I'm in this with you. Start processing these kinds of things like, really, Jesus? I mean, think about it from a Jewish mindset for a second. They're under Roman occupancy. Rome has conquered them. Okay, you and I have not been conquered by anyone in our lifetime. Maybe in our history as Americans, yes, we've had occupancy, but not in our lifetimes. The things that we get most upset about is who is a Republican or a Democrat when the presidency comes around. Like, oh my gosh, the world is falling, chicken little. And yet they understand what it's like to have people who would oppress, who would hurt, and the desire for vengeance and justice to be left up to God would be astounding. And yet Jesus says that's one of the differences that separates you and I from the world. In fact, who has not been kind to you that you need to trust in God to deal with instead of yourself? Who do you need to go the extra mile for, to turn the other cheek for, not because they deserve it? That's what we always do. We play the deserve it game. Well, they don't deserve it. No, because you live by a different set of rules that will actually enhance relationships. Which leads us to the last one. See, it gets more fun. Verse 43. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, it sounds pretty logical. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, taught that obviously you should love those near and dear to you, but that Israel's enemies should be hated. In fact, they implied that God's judgment would always come based on the level of hatred that they would have for their enemies. But Jesus says this, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is crazy talk. The persecution that they would go. In Rome, if you studied Roman history a little bit, there became an emperor who used to take the Christians of the day and they would light them on fire to light the ways he would go along in his procession. That's a different level. And you're like, Jesus, are you, are you sure? Are you sure you know what you're talking about here? Pray for those who persecute you. See, in that way, he says, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So what he's saying is our love for our enemies proves to the world that we're different and that we belong to a different family, a different set of rules, a different set of guidelines. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good that sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. See, what God is saying is that I love all people. He causes his sun to rise on them, sends rain to produce their crops. Doesn't it bother you when you see evil prosper? And evil, evil people, you're like, okay, God, I'm trying to walk the straight and narrow. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. And I see time and time and person after person after person, they seem to prosper. How come not 
me. Jesus said, because there's a different value in which we're living that call us his children. See, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even tax, corrupt tax collectors do that much. Now that one is a little dig. See, one of the things you need to know about Jesus is he pokes at people. Pokes at us, but he pokes at the religious leaders. See, the Pharisees thought they were morally superior, especially over the evil tax collectors. And he says, hey, Pharisees, your love for one another uh, is the same as the tax collectors love for one another. They can love their own, so how are you better than that? So he's kind of taking a dig at them. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. See, here's the thing. Unlike us, God loves and extends his love to everyone. And so should ours. If we want to win in this thing called life, then we respond to evil with good. You may lose the argument. You may lose some money. But over time, you win out. Something that may help, in this process of dealing with enemies, dealing with the people who irritate, bother you, drive you up a wall, as people actually are not the enemy. And we forget that often. I know I do. Ephesians 6.12, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, people who do not know God are not the enemy. They are entrapped by the evil of their hearts and the evil one. In the same way that you and I we're also in the same predicament. Romans 12, 20 to 21 says, here's a different response that we can give to our enemies. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. No, our response is usually to let them starve. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. In our nation's history, we see this movement from Dr. Martin Luther King. It's a pastor first who understood this is the way to respond. And over time, he saw a real change. What about in our own hearts and minds? Here's what may help. Why do these things? Right? Why, why be different? Could it be? Because Jesus did those things for us. See, we love our enemies in the same way Jesus loved us as his enemy. Sometimes we forget that. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Verse 10, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of, the, death of his son while we were still his enemies, and yet he showed his love for us, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends to God. See, who's the current enemy that you need to pray for and to love? This could be someone in your business, could be someone in the political world, could be a school work, could be someone in your own household. And they don't deserve it, but neither did we. And God calls us to step out and to live in a different way, to show love. And we don't get to be arbitrary in what love means. He actually tells us in 1 Corinthians, what does this love look like? So when it comes to our enemies, put this hat on instead of just at a wedding ceremony. That love is patient and kind to the enemy. Love is not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always helpful and endures through every circumstance. Hard stuff. And then Jesus ends chapter five. And again, this is supposed to be the good news of the kingdom. 
with this phrase. But you, if you're followers of me, part of the kingdom, are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, what we like to do is do moral relativism, meaning, well, I, I'm good enough. I, I'm, I'm better than this person. I mean, I, I'm okay, you know, comparatively. But is okay really okay? Go ahead and watch the screen with me and you, you decide. Have you ever worked for Dr. Francis? Oh yeah, he's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. <laughs> right? So they, they tapped into like, no, no, no. There's certain instances it's not okay to just be okay. And it's the same thing with God. Our, our goal is not to be good or what we think is good enough. Perfection is the goal. Now, before we think perfection is never, ever making a mistake, let's redefine that. Because the same word for perfect is also found in James 1.4. So let your faith grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That word perfect literally means to be mature and complete. So let me close with how we started. Who is that person that bugs you, irritates you, hurts you, or has caused you pain? Did God challenge you in how to respond to that person who didn't keep their word, who deserves revenge, or who you see as an enemy? It's hard to follow Jesus. It's not the easier way. It's a harder way. But let me be honest. People of the kingdom... They're nuts. They are. And as people of the kingdom, we should actually stand out because we're living by a different set of rules, a different set of values that actually is better for all involved. It's the better way. It's the right way. Any other way is only going to produce more pain, more harm, more difficulty in life. And Jesus is saying, hey, you've heard it say this, but let me show you a different way. Let me show you some good news that will be beneficial for your relationship with your spouse, beneficial with your kids, beneficial in your work, beneficial in this society, and beneficial in this kingdom. And he says, here is the way of following me. See, Jesus is asking us to not be controlled by our feelings of anger, of lust, of unfaithfulness when it comes to our hearts before God. And Jesus challenges us to be people of our word, to not respond to what others deserve and to love people who hate us. These people are nuts. And yes, when we do these things, in moments, days, and hours, all of a sudden the world notices and says, there's something different about you. Jesus calls that being salt and light, that you stand out. This is not fun stuff, but it's the best. See, the why behind the what in this whole series is the more motivation to be like Jesus and then to help others to do the same. I can't do this without Jesus in my life. I can't try harder or be better without connecting to Jesus on a regular basis. And I can't do it without you. I can't do it without other people who are also willing to go on this journey that's just too much pain, too much difficulty, too much temptation, too much of me in my life. And I need you. And I believe we need one another as we focus on following him as his kids 
with his rules that are best for us and for other people. So what is your next tangible step on this day that God is calling you to live out as his child? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Pray that you would just continue to bring the circumstances and the people in our minds that we're just really frustrated with. Help us to give those over to you. Help us to deal in the ways that you've asked us to deal. To love when it's hard. God, I pray that there's anyone in here who's not yet accepted you, that today would be the day. That we can't do it without you. It's impossible. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your family because of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.